This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Going to Talk Back Again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal Transfer Show. Good morning. I hope you're good. I hope you are well and uh, have enjoyed your weekend. Uh, I spent yesterday evening playing the Crystal Mates, believe it or not, in London. It was very exciting, very good. Uh, we came out with something like 300 and something gold tickets. I don't know if you've ever seen the Crystal Maze, um, but uh, it's like an old British game show thing that you can now play a real version of in London. And it went very well. Um, we got on the daily scoreboard. So that's, that's always positive. Failed one task, which involved um, rock climbing, which is not my thing. Uh, and sorted out or won the crystal in a mental challenge, which is is more my my thing when you're a little bit mental. So uh, so that was good. Good day. Good evening. And uh, and yeah, much enjoyable. But whilst that was all going on, obviously I did a couple of shows yesterday. Um, I did one as you always expect at eight am in the morning, which you're joining me now for. So please make sure you drop the like and hit the subscription button if you are new, of course, as well. Uh, and the second video was kind of a more casual chat um, in which I was joined uh, from the majority of it by Harry Simeon. And we talked a lot about the kind of the social side of YouTubering in Arsenal spheres, I suppose, and having to deal with kind of if you ever want to change your mind or dealing with an opinion that gets very much challenged by people. Um, and then I found myself tweeting a lot with Sophie last night as there were some really horrible things being basically said about other YouTubers and stuff and about how insignificant people want to try and make certain people out to be, which wasn't the nicest thing in the world. So, you know, it's all, it's all public. <laughs> so, so feel free to look at it, but it's just, I found, I found the fallout from yesterday's conversation with, um, with Harry kind of a little bit disheartening, to be honest, not from Harry's perspective. That was great, but kind of the, the reaction of, of some of it and some of the comments again. But you're never going to please everyone. And I think I've just got to ultimately stop trying to do that because I'm never going to achieve that. So, you know, we're, we're just going to do us. We're going we're gonna to do us and, uh, and push forward with the shows, hoping to do 
maybe a podcast this evening if I can pull one together. Um, maybe one tomorrow. We'll wait and see. It might just be a chill Sunday because I'm working from nine to five on a Sunday, which is great. Um, but no, it's all good. And uh, we're going to crack on with the news and get, keep you guys up to date with what's been going on. And of course, if you haven't already, please. Vote for us in the Football Content Awards for Best Club Creator or Club Content Creator uh, for the Premier League section. Not long left to get your final votes in, I don't think. I need to check when this actually runs out so you don't start voting when it doesn't matter. Um, but if you haven't already, please drop us a vote. Anyway, let's kick on with the first story, which revolves around Mohamed El Neni. The Egyptian centre midfielder has, of course, uh, looks to be a player that could yet leave Arsenal. Uh, Besiktas and Galatasaray both interested. However, Galatasaray are no longer uh, interested in uh, El Neni. His kind of personal financial demands have proven too high for Galatasaray to push forward with a deal for him. And so therefore, uh, it looks unlikely he'll go there. He could still go to Besiktas. There's uh, only a few couple of days. I think it's the 8th that the Turkish window closes. Um, so there's only a few days left for El Neni to either leave or stay. I would rather, depending on the figure that he stayed, to be honest, because I just think we need the depth in midfield and could do with, he's just a useful player in, in times where you're in need of a, a body uh, and he can be that no matter how kind of low I rate him as a footballer, but sometimes having a body is important. However, I did see some weird, like weird figures floating around of like 5 million. Now, if 5 million was offered, I, that might, that might tempt me to change my mind. I was thinking like, You'd never see anywhere close to more than a million being offered for Martinelli, for El Nenny, um, with a year left on his deal. So I would be more open to the idea of a £5 million offer from a Turkish club for, for El Nenny, but not looking likely. The other story revolves around uh, Ten Hag, who is uh, currently, as far as I'm aware, um, <laughs> very much the, the focus of a lot of Arsenal fans who would like to see him at Arsenal. We did hear previously that Ray Parler had a text from Mark Overmars, the Ajax executive, let's just say, so I don't get the actual title wrong, um, basically saying that he would be up for coming into Arsenal and kind of sorting things out because of how bad it is. Um, I doubt uh, that Ten Hag uh, is, is an option right now. I doubt that any coach <clears throat> is an option right now, to be honest. This has very much been a social media hype train, uh, as we described the Qatari takeover news yesterday, and a lot of Arsenal fans talking about him. And therefore, when you get a situation on social media where something trends like Ten Hag throughout the Arsenal fan base, that is sometimes the catalyst for things to be spoken about. And that can then raise up certain stories. But at the moment, no legit links between Arsenal and Ten Hag. Apologies to disappoint uh, so many people. Uh, however, <laughs> this this one's more intriguing. Um, and, and ultimately, I, I can't see Arsenal getting rid of uh, Mikel Arteta for starters. Um, but the the outlet for Jarez, um Oh, Fichajes, uh, Fichajes. Uh, it's a Spanish outlet. Oh, my, my Spanish isn't great. As apparently uh, claims that should Arteta's uh, kind of go, Art, uh, Antonio Conte would be the, the number one pick for Arsenal, which isn't surprising. Um, it's not kind of a, an out there statement. He's arguably the highest profile manager out there without a job right now. So it would make sense. I just don't see... Arteta going anywhere and we're going to talk about some of the comments from Edu in a second that kind of point towards this not being a, 
a thing. So I'd be shocked to see Antonio Conte join Arsenal this season. But stranger things have indeed happened. Now, let's talk about the man who loves to talk about Arsenal. Uh, Emmy Martinez uh, has been uh, interviewed and brought up Arsenal once again, specifically talking about whether or not, um, in the sense of when he left Argentina and why he joined Arsenal, he wanted to make it very clear that he didn't join Arsenal for Arsenal. He joined Arsenal for the money because it was a great help to his family. Uh, He says, I didn't want to go. I did not regret it, but I wanted to play in Independiente for a while. I thought if I stayed in two years, I would make my debut. My family lacked a little financially. I did it more for that than sports. (sighs) He can talk about Arsenal as much as he likes. (laughs) Who am I to say that stop talking about Arsenal? But it just does come across a little bit desperate. Is is my view? I just I'd love to sit down and ask him why do you keep talking about Arsenal? Because it seems very odd. It's very very odd. Um, all I can think of, all I can think of, is that <laughs> he's kind of got this reticence that Bert Leno was picked over him. Now I think that Arsenal made a mistake. I think that I made a mistake in thinking that Leno was, you know. Uh, like a fine person to keep hold of whilst we let go of him. I absolutely regret Arsenal's decision to let him go because he's clearly the better goalkeeper. But I I just don't really get why he keeps talking about us. It's really strange. I've never known a player speak so much about their ex-club in the year that like from, and it's only been a year since he left. Like it's, it's really odd. Um, but it's what he said in in, a, in an interview. So uh, we were going to talk about it. But that's all we're going to talk about it. Uh, let's go on to the main headline story of the day. And that, of course, was Edu's interview with both Sky Sports and Arsenal. They released two um, in which he spoke with, I think it was Jess Reeves of, Ars- of uh, Sky Sports and then sat down with the Arsenal media team to discuss the window. Now, this isn't uh, this this isn't irregular. This isn't a surprise. If you remember at the end of last window in the summer of 2020, he also sat down with the Arsenal website and talked through the transfer window. It seems to be a very regular thing. It's not it's not coming out of nowhere. This is very much um, a common occurrence at Arsenal, whilst at least Edu is technical director. And we can expect more of these, I imagine, if he remains as technical director into 2022. So looking at some of the things he said, now we're focusing first on the uh, the comments in the the Arsenal interview. He talked about signing players of age under 23 and under as kind of like an indication of the strategy that Arsenal are specifically looking at, which is fine. I agree. We need to to, to add that balance and we needed to add a fair few more young players. I, I understand that. That's fine. I'm going to go through the points and then we'll evaluate them at the end. Five contracts in one year for 23 and under players. As for my memory serves, that is Emil Smith-Rowe, that's Martinelli, that's Saka, that's Follerin Balogun and Arthur Okonkwo. You could arguably include Reese Nelson's single-year extension, although is Reese Nelson? He's definitely under 23. <laughs> I was thinking under 21, but he's definitely under 23. So arguably six if you want to include Nelson, um, but that's five. Okonkwo, uh, you count because he was promoted to the first-team squad. Uh, he's on the first team squad page on the website, so you include a conquo in that one as well. Um, giving senior players responsibility, talking about Partey, Abamyang, Xhaka, Lacazette as four players that have senior experience and responsibility. And look, 
I'll, I'll come to that at the end. I'll, I'll, I promised I'd go through the points first before I evaluate it. We'll, we'll do this first. Respecting fan and media reaction, spoke, he was obviously asked about the fact the fans don't seem to be happy and that the media obviously being quite scrutinizing of the window. Sorry, I do. <laughs> it's, it's one to be scrutinizing over. I've got a lot of questions. Um, and, you know, he respects it. He has to respect it. He can't come out saying the wrong, <laughs> but uh, he seems to be very much okay with the reaction that's come forth and that the club are understanding of that reticence from the fan base. Um, he also referenced that Mikel Arteta is the right manager to change the situation that we are in right now and specifically where we are in the table. Another indication that we are very much looking at a unified core of people within the club. These rumours of Edu and Arteta falling out are, as far as I'm aware, absolute rubbish. Um, you remember the tweet from the AFC Bell talking about a high-profile issue coming out in the next few hours that never did, a complete stab in the dark that never happened. Whether that was to do with a player situation, nothing's come out. That period has passed. If something was to say come out in later on in September... That would be a completely separate scenario based upon the results that we've got going on. So that seemed to be that that indication, which riled up a lot of fans for absolutely no reason at all, uh, was wrong. It seems a very unified group at the moment. And that's the impression that I've got from anyone that I've spoken to is that they are backing Arteta, massively, massively backing Arteta. So I don't, I don't see where a fracturous relationship, a fractious, I should say, relationship between Edu and, and Arteta has come from. But uh, it is not there. And they spoke about how close they are working together and how unified they are in their plan. Uh, difficulty selling, referencing loans with options. Uh, he talked about the fact that a lot of clubs have like managed to loan players in with options to buy. We can think about Chelsea doing it. We think about other players on the continent doing it. Uh, and it is very common. But the thing is that Arsenal Arsenal desperately needs um, to see kind of money come into the club. They need capital, and they haven't got that capital this summer. They, they've really lacked any kind of financial backing from sales. And that was kind of put down to a lack of want from other clubs to buy their players. And that has then led into the final point, which is about loaning players to give them a chance to sell in 2022. And interestingly... And I didn't agree with this. He ref uh, Edu referenced not be rude. Edu referenced um, the the loan of Joe Willock in January to Newcastle as an opportunity to sell, and he used that as an example to support the theory that if you loan a player out, you can then kind of get that big fee for him because you weren't able to sell them sooner. I I don't agree with that. I think that was a completely opportunistic and arguably lucky scenario because I don't think. Joe Willock was in the mind of Arteta to be sold. Joe Willock was a player that wanted to play week in, week out. And whilst he was getting a fair few minutes, if you actually go and look at the first half of last season, between the start of the season and, and Christmas, Joe Willock was getting a fair amount of game time under Mikel Arteta. In fact, I think a season before, he started a fair few games under Unai Emery alongside the likes of Matteo Genduzzi. So... Joe Willock had quite a few chances, but he wanted more. He wanted more regular game time. He wanted to be a senior starter week in, week out. And so the loan was sanctioned because he wanted it. The club knew he wasn't going to play. But I never saw that loan back in January of 2021 as the, a loan to say, yeah, we're doing that to try and raise his price. Sure, that might have been a secondary impact, and it turned out to be a very big one. But to reference that directly in the same 
kind of context as a Bellerin or a Nelson, I find a little bit misleading and I don't think it's the same. And I think it's opportunistic rather than objective in that scenario. But looking back across some of those points that he made, look, I get the strategy. I understand it. I, I get that we're going for these younger players uh, and we needed to because we've often invested in players or given them too high of a wage in players that don't necessarily have a great sell-on value. Look at what's happened with Mustafi, with Socrates, with Ozil, arguably a Bamiyang, Lacazette now as well. Um, the fact we weren't able to move on Granit Xhaka, we've now renewed him. We've had to move on players for absolute pittance. Kalasinac, um, these players that are older and that have no sell-on value because they're not playing and they're not performing. And I get that. But the problem is, is that we didn't add any key figures, any leaders, any like experienced senior, senior leaders in the team. We didn't add a single one this summer. And when last season, if you were to ask most Arsenal fans, what was the biggest, from a playing perspective, like from the players' point of view, not the manager, not the executives, from the actual players, what was one of the biggest problems last season? And it was that the young players had to drag Arsenal through games. That the senior players were not performing. Players like William, players like Xhaka, despite having a very good second half, first half of the season was pretty poor. Partey was obviously injured for a lot of it. Abamyang and Lacazette were struggling. And the young players had to really drag us through. And that problem was, is that we had to add, in my view, at least one more key experienced figure of quality into the team with leadership skills. And we didn't do that. And I, he talks about balance. I don't think it's a balanced window. I still don't think it's a balanced squad. I think it's moving in the right direction. I just don't think to, to call it balanced now is not, not, in my view, correct. Senior players' responsibility is what you want. And we've lost Louise. Yeah, Black and Blanco, great point. We've we've lost Louise this window as well, who was a big figure in that dressing room. Um, respecting the Matt fan and media reaction is what it is. And to say that he's the right manager to change it is, again, in my view, a bit of a, you know, kind of has to say that, really. Um, <laughs> you're not going to say he's not, are you? So, uh, yeah. But I, I do think that they are unified, and I do think they are backing him, but you know, there's always going to be that little bit of doubt that creeps into your mind, always. Anyway, he also did an interview with Sky Sports. And I want to pick up one quote from the whole thing. I mean, you can find the entire breakdown of these articles everywhere on your YouTube timeline. So I'm not going to spend ages on it. And I wanted to pick up on this specific quote because it's not good. He was asked about kind of the, the targets for Arsenal and what those targets are this season. And he says, I don't want to go for numbers, top four, top six, top eight, top 10. I'm really looking forward to seeing this team play together. Now, I I disagree with my colleague, Harry Simeon, who I saw, Harry, I saw your tweets yesterday. I was out, but I saw them. Um, I disagree. I, I, I'm not a fan of this. I'm not a fan of these comments. I don't like them. I think it is something to be concerned about. I think it's concerning because it removes accountability from their perspective, not from the perspective of the fans. The fans are always going to hold them accountable. But it, it's an attempt, in my view, to remove accountability dependent on where we finish. To even highlight top 10 in itself is a, is a concern because by saying top 10, which includes ninth and 10th place, you are opening up to a possible regression of position despite back-to-back eighth-place finishes, which is not a good thing to say, especially when the fans are at the lowest possible point. 
I would have preferred to have said that the business that we are conducting is done so that we can push towards our targets, which is, of course, putting Arsenal back into Europe, A, and two, competing for the top honours. And if you're not saying that because you're thinking that we're not going to be able to do that, then you're not doing the job right. Because everything that you should do, every decision that you make, every signing that you sign, every player that you select for a team, every manager that you appoint, all of those things should be done with the mindset and the objective to put Arsenal back on their pedestal and to chase European qualification again. Everything that you do, that is the target of Arsenal. That is the expectation of the fans. We're not entitled to it, but it is what we want. It is our expectation as a club, as the money that we spend, as the rich, as rich as we are, as big as we are as a club, that is what we expect to challenge for. It's not what we feel entitled to, but it's what we expect to challenge for. And there are a difference between those two things. Entitlement and, and you know, expectation to challenge, not expectation to achieve, they are different. Expectation to challenge being... I expect Arsenal to do everything in their power to push towards Europe and towards competing. Expectation to achieve is if Arsenal don't do these things, it's categorically wrong or they're doing the wrong, whatever. Look, at the end of the day, they need to be pushing towards those targets. They need to be pushing towards those as their main goals. So to remove goals publicly, which is the first time I've seen it happen, because every other interview I feel like I've heard has always been, we want to be back in, the, we want to be back in Europe, we want to be back competing for the top trophies, we're a club that should be competing for those top trophies, and this summer it's changed. And that's why I don't agree with with some that might say that he couldn't say this, he couldn't say that, because they have said that before. They have said, we want to push for the top honours, we want to be back in Europe, we want to be this, we want to be that. That's the problem with this one. It's not like when the whole strategy... I had a couple of debates with people yesterday, people saying that he should have revealed the transfer strategy before the window. That's ridiculous. That's to reveal your transfer strategy before a window to to then inform every single club that you're going up against in terms of sales and purchases, to reveal the way that you want to go about your window is going to hike prices. It's going to lower value of your players. It's going to give other teams better metal and better kind of positioning in negotiation. So the suggestions to say that we should reveal our transfer strategy before the window starts was completely and utterly ridiculous in my view. Absolutely ridiculous. However, the difference between that and this is because of differences in the past. And the differences in the past that all Arsenal have always, absolutely always said that they want to get back to Europe, they want to be competing for the top honours, et cetera, et cetera. This is the first time I can remember any executive, any manager not talking about the target more specifically and instead removing all accountability, removing all expectation, removing any kind of accountability whatsoever about where you will finish in the league. That's the first time I've ever seen it from an Arsenal point of view. And that's a worry. That's a real concern. And and that's why I am as critical as I am being about this, because it is the first time I've seen that. And if it's a if it's another kind of it's another indication of how far we're falling, then that's a real, real problem. A real, real problem. That's the end of my rant. <laughs> that, that concludes Tom's rant for the morning. Um, 
if you do have a question in the chat box, I would be happy to go through as many of them as I can. Um, we are going to be only around for about eight more minutes or so. So uh, there we go. Uh, reticent, opportunistic, reactionary. So many misused words among football fans. Mahmoud's, I mean... I mean, it, you can't say that the fans haven't been reticent about the situation of the club. You can't say that Arsenal are opportunistic. They're not. They're not taking opportunities at certain times when they should do. And the fan base is definitely reactionary. I mean, I don't feel like I'm being reactionary right now. But in regards to kind of you looked at the fan base, say to, as soon as Arteta was appointed, there were some reactionary words. So Mahmoud, I'm not sure those words are used correctly. And rightly. Uh, the Royal Yanis says, apart from the Kia connection, I back Edu. Uh, am I the only person who is optimistic? However, I also think it will get worse. Hey, whilst I have all those criticisms about Edu, I'm not yet in the camp of saying he should go. I'm, I'm not yet there. I'm there with Arteta. I'm there with, you know, I think a change of coach would be more beneficial than having the same coach. I think that's when you, that, that needle tips over to the other side. That's how I feel, is that I feel like a change of coach would be more beneficial than keeping the current coach. But that change of coach would have to be the right coach, of course. There's no point getting rid of Arteta to bring in someone that's not going to be able to do a better job. I'm talking about a change of coach for your, your Contes, etc. However, with Edu, Edu's trickier. Because Edu I look at as a different person in the team, in, in, the, in the club. Edu is, is not your guy selecting the teams and making all those team selections that I find ridiculous or making strange substitutions or failing to implement a style of play. That all falls on Arteta. Edu in the transfer market, I see a difference. I see, whilst I don't see a progression in the league table, I see a progression in the transfers that we're making. I see a change. I see a shift that's needed to be seen for a long time. Buying young and bringing in players with sell-on value is something we've struggled to do. Shifting the wage bracket by, you know, saying that we're not going to have image rights and contracts to lower wages. That's great. I think that that side of things, Edu, I'm more, I'm more okay with. Now, this is one of those topics that I love to bring onto a phone-in show for those people that are absolutely Edu out and do not want to see Edu at the club whatsoever. I love to have that discussion with people to kind of hear that point of view. But for me, I, I'm not yet in the kind of Edu should be sacked camp just yet. Um, I'm not quite there. But thank you, Yanis, for the uh, donation. Much appreciated. Let's scroll up to Matt, who says, I think he didn't want to set a target because he didn't want to give an answer that fans don't want to hear. They may be aiming for top 10 this season and then strengthen in the summer. If they're aiming for top 10, though, Matt, after spending £150 million pounds and improving the squad from last season, who finished eighth, come on, like... <laughs> come on that's not good that's not a good thing is it like it's, that's that's bad that's that is bad categorically bad for a team like Arsenal and I hate those words often like a team like Arsenal but when it's in the context of top 10 when we finished eighth I think using the words for a team like Arsenal is pretty apt in that sense Billy says Edu has his flaws but true he is not the one who's picking the players but there are better options out there a Kamposh and Overmars a Ranić look a Kamp Kamposh is not your uh, Kamposh is kind of your, is a completely different exec to Edu. Kamposh is complete scout, uh, buy, buy low, sell high. That's Kamposh. Kamposh identifies gems and sells them on at big prices for clubs of the stature of Leo. I'm not sure a Kamposh would work as the sole technical director. I think that Kamposh would be good in consultation with or in association with 
an established technical director. I'm not sure Campos would work on his own. Overmars, again, and Ranić, both of them at Ajax and at RB Leipzig are working at clubs where they buy low, sell high, buy young gems, sell them on for big prices, can play them week in, week out because they play in leagues in which they are more capable of playing a lot more young players. Arsenal have tried to put more young players into the team. Where's it seen us finish? Back-to-back eighth-place finishes. It is a different kettle of fish. I would be looking at the former Chelsea. Uh, I'm just going to get his name right. Michael Emanello. Um, I would be looking more towards him as someone to come in as a technical director because, of course, previously worked at Chelsea as their technical director and was there for several, several years throughout winning leagues and trophies at the highest level. He then went to Monaco and helped them win the league in France. So I'm pretty sure he was there during the years in which Monaco won the league in Liga. So it might be the year after. But the point is, is that he has done this at the top level, at a top Premier League club. And I'd be looking at Michael Emanello as someone rather than a Ranić or an Overmars or a Camposh to a lesser extent. I think that people have them as names, Billy. Ultimately, you see them doing amazing jobs at those clubs, but those clubs are in completely different contexts to Arsenal. So I think you need to be careful about who you go for and not just go for a name because it sounds good and they've done a good job at that place. Uh, RM says, I wouldn't be mad if we finish fifth above teams like Leicester and Spurs. That would be most definitely... If we finish fifth, that's a huge achievement. Based upon what's going on at the club, based upon the squad that we have, based upon how good the other teams in the league are, finishing fifth would be great. It'd be a good, it'd be a solid, good season. Top four is wildest dreams scenario with where we are right now. Absolutely wildest dreams. So to finish fifth and one place off the ultimate goal for us, and I mean, some people might say winning leagues and Champions Leagues is the ultimate goal, but let's be realistic. Right now, with where Arsenal have been and are, Top four is our ultimate goal. That is the that is the key to to take Arsenal to that next step of stability, to then be established in the Champions League again, and then pushing for titles. That's the next step. The ultimate for us at the moment is top four. So fifth is a very very solid season, and uh, and definitely achieves a target that I would have set out of getting top six at the beginning beginning of the campaign. That was my target for the beginning of the year. Make top six absolutely. Uh, Ivan Tony, when asked the same question, he said he wants to be league champion. Uh, I don't know who, what the context of the point is, Cameron. You'll have to, you have to, you have to let me know. Uh, Olu says, great point. So I'm running at Campos and Overmars work for kinds of clubs that should be buying. Yeah, that we should be buying players from. Exactly. Like they, they worked at Lille and RB Leipzig and, and Ajax. It's just very, very different. Like you can't pick up the Ajax technical director and put him into Arsenal and expect the same outcome. It's not, it's not realistic. It's just not how it works. So you need to be smart with like those technical directors decisions. I'm not saying that Edu's the like was the right choice. I'm saying that I've not seen enough right now to tip me on the side of saying he should go. And if we're going to bring someone in, I wouldn't be picking any more. I know I said previously, but I've, I've changed my mind. I wouldn't be bringing in a Ranić or a, a Camposh on his own. I would bring in a Camposh, say, alongside someone like an Emanello, but I wouldn't bring in a Camposh on his own. Or um, who was the other one? An Overmars. I wouldn't bring in those 
personally. They could come in and prove me absolutely wrong. I just don't think it's the right choice. I think that if we're going to change, it should be a, an MNLO type of uh, person. Uh, Graham says, Tom, I think Antonio Conte would be the ideal candidate to replace Arteta. Conte would bring an organisation and structure to the team. He also has a specific style of football and is a proven winner. The whole thing about the Conte thing, and I hate it when people turn around and go, oh, he's negative. He's not an attacking manager. He's defensive. Part of the bus. He's rigid, structured. Look, <laughs> he won the league with Chelsea. He won the league of Inter Milan, usurping Juventus for the first time in how many years. You don't win leagues by just playing defensive football. You've got to score and you've got to play well and you've got to overcome your opponents. And that doesn't happen through just defensive, rigid football. If we get a coaching that can make us you know, solid defensively and yet have a style of play going forwards, which, by the way, he has, then do it. And I think we had the players to play a system that, that Conte were like. I think we had the players to play a 3-5-2. I would absolutely love Pepe playing in a two off of a main striker. I think that would work beautifully. It would force him to play more centrally. It would bring him out from the byline. It would allow him to support a striker. It would allow him to be in the box more with his finishing. It would allow us to have wingbacks that pushed up the lines and be able to get balls into the box more regularly. It would enable us to continue to play with a number 10. It is something that could work, and we have the players to do it. I don't think that Conte's coming, and that's that's the big problem. Um, Modern Guna says, uh, question, I know it's far away, but next year's transfer window looks very exciting building upon this year's. How do you feel? I feel like from what we're hearing, that 2022 will be a, a summer where we bring in, say, two or three, but those two or three players won't be the under-23s that we're looking at this year. They would be the, the marquee, experienced 26 to 28-year-old, world-class type talents. Maybe your Martinez's. Maybe, I don't know, Basuma will be 26 next year. <laughs> Maybe he gets included in that lot. So that's the type of thing that you've got to think about. And I think that next summer is where they're targeting the, the key ones. And that's purely, purely theoretical. And it's a pure guess about what we've been told. And that's, I can only go off what we've been told, ultimately. That's the only thing I can talk about. Anyway, that is where we're going to finish off today's show. <laughs> Thank you ever so much for tuning in, guys. Really appreciate your time, as always, tuning in and making this part of your morning routines. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. I'm pretty sure. Let me just check my schedule. <laughs> Should I make sure I'm not actually working uh, really early? Let's see. Yup, 9 to 5 on a Monday. I will be here from 8 a.m. So make sure you tune in. I may be doing a podcast a little bit later on this evening. I will let you know. Have a fantastic day. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. See you very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your Mook delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.